This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast. We are refining and redefining the sales game. And two things are going to happen today. I am going to buy a GMC Denali pickup truck probably before my head hits the pillow. Kyle, this has really accelerated since you left sales meeting. I've been gone for like an hour and 14 minutes. I know. That's that's how quickly I move. And equally, if not more so exciting, we have Kat Turnis from Agency Zoom on the podcast to talk about all the cool stuff that they're doing and how they can help you and your agency increase revenue. So now, Kyle, fire away. You can ask whatever question you want. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, what's going on here? Like, what's the deal? How, you're, so I, you're, are, are we, are the days of the seven series gone? Are we? The days, the, so here's the thing, man. Like, I'm not happy with BMW at all. I'll put them on blast right now. I mean, I am well, driving. Well, you've had a bazillion issues every time you take it over there. It's there for like 42 yes. days. No, at least at a bare minimum. And by the way, flagship vehicle, the 750 is by far their flagship vehicle. I should not be concerned. Now, listen, in all truthfulness to the audience, it turned over 100,000 miles, but those cars should be good for a quarter million, man. Back in the old days, my three series had taking care of it. Sure. My three series had 237,000 miles on it when I finally had the I haul junk guy come pick it up on the back of his flatbed. How many? Two, two like 237,000. Yeah. That's, that's and solid. not nearly the issues that I've had to deal with with this one. Then, you know, I had Hank Stewart from Gallus Stewart down here visiting last week, and he had his GMC. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done. The cockpit of this thing's nicer than my car at this point. So. My buddy just picked up um, the the big boy uh, Sierra, the like the AT four. The um, it's it's such a, a basic what AT stands for all terrain, I think. There you um, go. Yeah, well. but uh, it, I mean it it is clean. So oh, they're nice. It, yeah. Look, this is not a truck that I'm going to go to the Zach Brown concert in in a couple of weeks and get respect from my peers because I'm driving the right truck. I might get it for my boots, but then they're going to put two and two together and realize I'm not out like <laughs> Bailey Hay or any of that. So it doesn't uh, matter, man. It's functional. You know, in, in when you own a home, you realize pretty quickly that if you're having to always call your buddy with a truck and ask him if you can run up and meet him at Lowe's to get what you need, mm-hmm. you just need to go get a truck. And I've been yeah. saying this for a long time. So 
it's not like it's it's not like it's new. It's just manifesting itself now. In in I'm with you. I'd love a truck. It's just not practical for me at this point. Where you know where we're at, but well, now that we got that out of the way, Cat, yeah. what's going on? You know, <laughs> welcome. I, what are you driving these yeah, days, Cat? Can we interest you in a vehicle? I mean, yes, actually, you can. So I turned my lease in in July of last year. I'm sitting here, August, September. Geez. Almost October. Um, almost, yeah. Almost October. And I have not had a vehicle since. That said. You did I, mention you walked to work the other day or something. I, I, mean, I really do mean it. And I really do look like it. I walk <laughs> to work. It's like a mile and a quarter. I walk to and from work almost every day. Occasionally I get poured on and that's really not pleasant. Oof. And I can ascribe to this truck life. My husband just went from a Audi A4, you know, a nice car. Nothing like crazy, but a nice enough car. Um, and he went and got himself a brand new uh, Toyota Tacoma. Um, so I'm also living this like false life of luxury occasionally. The difference between walking to work and being driven to work by your spouse while you can drink your coffee in this ritzy truck. Like it is <laughs> They're nice. If not nicer than the Audi A4. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I can, I can describe to the truck life. I can't really hold anyone accountable to like what vehicle they choose. Cause anything <laughs> is better than the Birkenstocks I walk here in. And, um, and, and where are you? She's I'm in Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. Oh, no way. Okay. Like so, I'm surprised you don't have those. You, you guys don't have those, um, scooters, the electric we scooters. We do. But what happens is the they're all over campus. Yeah. They're near campus and stuff, but what ends up happening is the scooters are like a little bit from my house. So I walk like two blocks and then they just outlawed the scooters on high street, which if anyone knows anything about Columbus or Ohio state nationwide there, there's Ohio state and the southernmost portion. And then there's nationwide plaza, which is the start of downtown. And there's a North South road, high street that runs the whole distance. They mm -hmm. outlawed the scooters on high street. And my That's work crazy. is on one side of high street. And my home is on the other side of High Street. So I walk two blocks, I get to a scooter, I ride the scooter for three blocks, and then it just grinds to a halt and makes this god awful noise. Like Ugh. alarm, it's embarrassing. I go to work at like, I walk to work only at like 7 a.m. So I'm like waking up every snuggly, tired little woman walking her dog with this little scooter just freaking, just losing its mind. So yeah, I. I was just up off a of high street a couple of weeks ago. Okay. That's like the grocery carts in a bad neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They yeah. have that same thing. They have the boot on the one back wheel. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> like that never, that never existed back in my days of running grocery stores. I got crushed on my shopping cart budget every year <laughs> because of so many of them getting stolen. I, I didn't, um, I hadn't been to an Aldi in years and I didn't remember that they have that little quarter thing. Yeah. You know? So I didn't even get a grocery cart when I was there because I didn't have my quarter with me. That is, well, that's actually the least of your concerns at Aldi because then you have to bag your own groceries. <laughs> I, I just can't, I can't deal with that. I did, like, I had, well, the good thing was that I didn't have my grocery cart is I like walked in and I like picked up the first empty box I could find, which were plenty. And I used that as my grocery cart and my grocery bag and, it was just, it was what you needed to go camping. I went like on a weekend, you know, trip of one overnight, you know, stay in the tent, cook some hot dogs and brats and stuff all <laughs> day. So it was what you want to leave behind at a campsite, you know, and it wasn't that much food, but I didn't have my quarter. I didn't get a grocery cart and I carried things around in a cardboard box. 
anytime anybody says anything to me at all about camping, all I can think about is where the Millers at this point when they. When it, <laughs> It's so it's such a good one. Underrated movie, honestly. Oh, dude, I love that movie so much. It's like it's definitely in my top ten. I think it's I, it's it is funny, um, and it and they don't have to try to be funny. It's not like a forced funny. It's just funny, right? Yeah, I'm I agree. Such a drama movie snob. I really struggle with comedies, but like We Are the Millers. Definitely love Mrs. Doubtfire. That's like just too traditional of one. <laughs> That's kind of dramatic too, though. It yeah, is. Yeah. That's true. I, I there's just a good amount of um, oh, this is a really weird one. If anyone is listening to this and has watched or seen this movie, please contact me. You're my new best friend. I don't know what kind of award you get for that, but we'll figure it out later. Hunt for the Wilder People by Taika Waititi. Totally weird movie. Very <laughs> not dramatic. Like it's like uh, I don't want to say it's a cult. Can't pop. say I've heard of that one, Kat. It's so good. So I, we'll see if there's any listeners that are killing it in commercial like insurance and have seen that movie. I need more friends, obviously. So like, please contact me. <laughs> I'm going to actually go see if I can watch that. I'm I'm sure it's on like every streaming thing known to man. He has Lord, a couple, Lord knows we have them all. Yeah, same. I My husband talked about like cutting cable a few years back. I was like, oh God, thank God. Now we just have every single other package known to man, and we probably spend twice as much as we do on cable. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So, great job. But, you get, but at this point, the, ni- the thing that's nice about it is you get what you want when you want it, right? And yeah. so it's a matter of convenience. So if I want to watch The Sopranos again, I don't have to wait until <laughs> it rolls around. I can go watch it. Which, by the way, looking, uh, looking forward to Saint- Saints of Newark, I think is what it is. Is that the, the movie- prequel? Yeah, with, with I'm pretty sure Gandolfini's son is pl- is playing him, a younger him, uh, which is pretty yeah. cool. So yeah, that, uh, that comes out on too. Friday. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Not a sponsor. Awesome. Would love yeah. a sponsor, but not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no kidding. So, Kat, talk a little bit about your background because you're you've been at Agency Zoom how long now? Just about two years. I started consulting okay. guys a little bit before getting there because I was wrapping, just winding things down at the startup I was at previously. Um, so I started helping the guys on things, but just about two years now, uh, I came in originally as our vice president of sales, and then we had a marketing guy who the co-founders just were struggling to get involved in the independent channel, and they didn't necessarily have a lot of time to sit down and coach him. So they're like, Kat, can you hang out with our marketing guy too? I'm like, sure. So I was the vice president of marketing and sales, and then it just went full funnel, all customer relationships, you know someone of that team uh, reports up to me. So now success and support are in my domain as well. So it's been a, it's been a very fast paced, very fun two years. When I got here, we had like worked with about 1700 agencies and we just crossed 7,200. Wow. um, There you go. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. It's been, and, and getting into the independent channel is what I came here to do. And doing that has been, uh, coming home moment. I have been in InsureTech most of my professional career. And the first InsureTech I was at was PNC. You know, so same, you know, customer base, had met a lot of you guys. It was very enjoyable and very fun. They were acquired and I moved on to the middle ground one and that was in title insurance. Still InsureTech, still in the like independent agency context, just title insurance, which some similarities, some differences. Um, and then came back here. So yeah, it's been a, 
it's been two years of coming home and COVID thrown in there. So not getting to see all of my friends right away and not getting to use the conference strategy. And now things are coming back together along with us, you know, growing at the rate we are. It's a lot of fun and it's a really unique opportunity that I, I can't imagine if you'd asked me when I first came here, if I wanted to do this, I would have said yes. Um, and now I can't imagine have ever like said no and, you know, taken any of the other opportunities that I have. Funny how that works, huh? Yeah, it's a good thing though. I think that, I think that means you pick the right organization. So very happy. I think one of the things that surprised me, and I just found out about this recently, I didn't realize that you guys worked with captives too. And it, it, yeah. what you just said basically leads me to believe you started with captives and then moved into independent. Is that accurate? Yeah. So, and that was them bringing me on was like, all right, we're making a concerted effort towards our independence and driving our product, which what our product is, is probably going to help you guys better understand like how it was agile to actually go from captive to independent. Um, so yeah, our co-founder is a phenomenally successful, was phenomenally successful, all state agent. Um, and he started, you know, got in touch with a gentleman who had been his friend, who's our CEO now, Mo, who's another co-founder. Um, they got in touch and just started working on like, how can we automate and build consistency in his crazy, crazy, like top 50 in the country, high growth all state agency. So like, what am I doing wrong? What is all state not providing to me? What could I do better? Um, so they started just solving problems that he was having in his agency. And then that grew crazy, crazy fast in the Allstate world, which gave us a really unique opportunity to be bootstrapped. So never had to take in VC funding, never had to take in any external investment. Um, it created a really good, healthy bedrock of amazing agencies. And then what happened is a lot of those agents um, stopped working with Allstate and they were going independent. And they're like, well, why wouldn't I use this product that is so familiar to me? It still works. And it was small in its use case at the time, but being automation, it was able to grow and evolve very quickly. It wasn't marketing automation. It wasn't onboarding. It wasn't retention or service or sales. It was purely cleanly automation. And yes, some of those tasks are obviously identified and compartmentalized, um, but that helped it a lot to grow and take off at the rate it did. Um, so yeah, we got our start. When, uh, of those 1,700 when I first got here, uh, 14, 1,500 of them were captive agents. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Similar to Lightspeed Voice. I mean, yeah. not necessarily identical, but I know that, that they started heavy, heavy, heavy in Allstate. Shoot, I've known mm -hmm. I've known Brad Fuller since he it was him and one other person, and they were operating out of the incubator up at the University of Florida, um, the Sid yeah. Martin Biotech Incubator, and yeah. lost track of him for like 10 years, and then all of a sudden, he's providing our VoIP system now. Yeah, <laughs> They are kicking ass. He's awesome. I love Steve. I just got done spending some time with Steve Moore um, at American Agents Alliance. So that was really fun. Yeah, because he so he left San Antonio, went to Vegas, and then went from Vegas to California. Steve Moore literally lives like Kyle. He lives in Fox Hollow. He's like five oh, minutes really? from my other office that Kyle operates out of, and we never see each other at all ever. Like I the only time I ever see Steve Moore is on the road somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's ever home. He said. When he was getting on the plane, I think he was on Sunday. I don't remember. I think it was Sunday. I'm not sure that he flew out Saturday, but I think Sunday morning he was heading home for the first time in like 15 to 20 some days. Because, yeah, he was at. Brain I can't Fury. do that, man. 
like I'm, I'm leaving for for three days at the end of this week, and it's like I don't I I, I don't even really want to go. <laughs> like, I don't know no. how I ended up in sales because I don't actually like people. I guess like <laughs> same. Like, no, no, you, I, like I, I you can totally say the same thing relate. about me. Yeah, I, yeah. I can relate to that. It's I, I think we get to the 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 difference is we kind of get to choose the people that we're working yes. with, I guess. Um, but I, I I'm with you. Yeah, well, people annoy the hell out. It's exactly of the opposite when you're in retail because you can't control who's coming in the front door. Right, 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 exactly. So you have you're forced to deal with everybody, which is why I don't deal with everybody now. True. Yeah, I'm I'm fiercely loyal to like a very small group of people, and like once Same. I'm in my group, my little like knit um like team, or if I'm in a room and like speaking and stuff like that, that's a little different because that like becomes my little um ecosystem, if you will. But to just stand at a trade show. We have some guys here that are the best I've ever seen at it. And they love it. Like they love going to the golf tournament and having no friends there and golfing on a random team. They love being at the trade show and seeing who can get the most business cards. And I'm standing there and I'm just like, when can I not stand in these high heels? When can I stop talking <laughs> at all of you? And is this over? Like, it's just, it's I'm not me. Um, I, I turn it on for like the effort of my job, but it's not me naturally speaking. <laughs> fair yeah i'm not the trade show guy by any stretch i absolutely despise that and i would show up to golf on a random team but for all the wrong reasons kyle would absolutely love hidden cameras if i showed up to be that player to be named later on somebody's scramble absolutely i'm the worst golfer ever (laughs) (laughs) i was really proud of our guy he uh he we we had him go out a day early because he wanted to golf we're like yeah sure go ahead and i didn't know how good he was or not and he won the longest drive contest. Um, and then it just go. turned into this incredibly awkward interaction where another guy came over and was like dancing around with the $100 bill that he won in front of our booth the next day. Yeah. So I'm just like, this looks so awkward and so goofy to anyone else as an onlooker. And again, being hopefully, un- hopefully alcohol was involved because otherwise that is a little weird. Yeah, he was. And I mean, they had already spent, you know, the whole day golfing together and stuff. So they thought right. it was like super funny. I just sure. wasn't in on the joke. And again, I'm not a people person. So I'm just standing there awkwardly, like looking around, like who, okay. who's happening? Like, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, no kidding. So talk a little bit about what, I mean, I'm going to assume that pretty much everybody that listens to this has at least heard of agency zoom before, but why don't you, for those who haven't in the rare case that there's somebody that's crawled out from under a rock, but yet has the technology to listen to a podcast. Um, why, why don't you explain a little bit about what you guys do and what your goal is in the marketplace right now and who, who you're looking to cater to? Yep. So we're bringing on about, we used to bring on about 200 new agencies a month. Um, we have cut that back with our new pricing plan, um, to about 150. Um, and we nothing wrong with that. You need to charge what you're worth. And I think you guys did not charge enough. Yeah, we, we weren't charging enough. It got us a lot of market share. It got us a lot of support and we still have, our entry level package is still the same price as the old one was. Um, but I think that helps people think about what do we do? So our beginning level is sales and it is sales automation. It's custom pipelines. It's that you can have an automated experience that's actually catered to the prospect. So rather than it being a campaign, the lead source impacts what first email that prospect would get. A tag, you know, they're a VIP would impact that. The line of business, personal or commercial, impacts that. 
and then what stage they go into. You know, do they come in as a warm lead, a hot lead, a cold lead? That all impacts it too. So um, the curation is what I'll call it um, to how we handle um, automation in sales has helped us, you know, create that as a product in and of itself. And that, like I said, we didn't change the pricing on that. That still is a lot of what many agencies had. We grandfathered our old agencies in um, and they're at, you know, $99 a month on that one. So that's super affordable. Uh, and then our next one, you get into, you've done enough sales now to grow your business that retention suddenly becomes a whole subsect of your business and certainly your renewal process and everything to that effect. Um, that it can be a distraction from hitting your sales goals. So that next module up has sales and retention as the premise of how the automation would run around the policies and everything of that sort. And then the top of the line, all the bells and whistles, is the sales, the retention, and the servicing of those policies. So by the time you have sold and retained enough policies that service is the distraction or service is an area that you need to watch your for lack of a better term, cost of goods sold? Am I over-servicing something to the effect that I'm no longer profitable no matter what I do? Um, that's when an agency, it would make sense for them to pick up the service center and they can look at the SLAs around carriers, around claims versus service. You know, a lot of us don't separate that enough in the industry and then we are hit, you know, by a natural disaster or something and we're left upside down on it. Um, so yeah, it gives it gives them versatility. The product grows with their book, and you still come out, you know, all the fancy bells and whistles at two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Um, and then we've been really fortunate. The thing that's been a lot of fun lately is we built an enterprise product, and that lets all of the different members of networks, clusters, aggregators, you name it, um, use agency Zoom in their own autonomous way. So David, if you want to run it one way, Kyle wants to run it another way, and I have my own little stick to my niche market to how I want to run personal lines, you know, cause it's an afterthought or it is a big portion of my book, but then somebody above us, you know, some higher power says, well, we do need to check in and see what cat's up to today. She causes a lot of problems. They can do that at any given time and provide organizational support, regional success. They can look and say, well, David is only four hours North of you. Why don't you guys go get lunch at some point? Talk about his commercial strategy if you're trying to learn it, Kat, and spend some time together. So that um, ability to aggregate live data across all three of those business units and create actual feedback. You're outgrowing your AMS. You need a different void. You, you know, you're not using enough automation in this or that area of your business. Um, that has been really, really fun, and that has move the needle for so many organizations um, and I, that's that's been my new whole project and i love it extra <laughs> are you dealing with more personal lines or or, or commercial lines uh, centric agencies what's the what's the makeup look like our new agencies coming on now because i think the size that we've gotten to are leaning a little bit more commercial now certainly okay. the ones that and this is a confirmation bias, but the ones that garner my interest in my time as, you know, a couple levels removed from the everyday employee here, they're leaning a little bit more commercial now mm -hmm. because they have the ability to run a cyber liability, you know, set of automation that only runs to premium policies of a certain worth. You know, they can just get in there and get so much more granular and that the person can be in that automation along with their retention automation on their currently bound policy. 
So it's leaning in more and more that way. But I mean, I still have a lot of hometown agencies that are a 60 40 split either way. And the fun part there is they can look at Kyle as a business owner that maybe is a general contractor and Kyle as the head of his household too. So the contact relational abilities there between the personal commercial divide, um, it's a lot smoother than what it is in a normal campaign management system. Because again, we're using automation instead of just campaigns. Um, so that helps a lot too for us to be a little bit more versatile and that our agencies kind of spread the gambit. So I'm interested on the service piece because you and I have talked offline before and you know that we use HubSpot in the agency and I've got sales service and marketing. Mm-hmm. Although not identical silos, it sounds similar to the needs that can be met, but without, I, I would suspect without the level of customization that I have available to me at HubSpot, which by the way, I don't think anybody in the insurance industry who has an agency needs to run out and buy HubSpot. I'm the first person to say that because I'm hearing $250 a month and I know what my HubSpot bill is and I know what my bill for, bill for David Lefevre is to make HubSpot do what I want it to do. But talk a little bit about that, because I think that there's a lot of people who don't realize the power of a CRM tool from looking at how service is handled in the agency. When, and quite frankly, HubSpot, to me, does a better job of managing that stuff than what the agency management systems do. Sure. Um, so talk a little bit about that service model and module and what that looks like for, for the end user. Because I think that's often overlooked in the CRM conversation. Everybody wants to talk about automation. Everybody wants to talk about drip marketing campaigns and all of you know the lead management, all of the blocking and tackling. But when you can integrate service in with sales, I think it provides a more seamless experience for your internal team and your, and the, your, your client without them really realizing what's happening. Yeah, well, I mean, when you can put service right next to renewals and you can put it right next to a cross-sell opportunity, it means a whole heck of a lot more that I got the cold shoulder from someone who just had a cruddy claims experience three months ago. That means a lot more about my sales process or about my service process realistically than it does about the inaccuracy or my need to go rebuild a sales process. So yes, having all of those activities brought together and in-house is, to me, incredibly important. Um, we use HubSpot, admittedly, as a software company, like through and through, guys. We are. I don't. I don't know of one who doesn't. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I've it, been it on just... Salesforce the whole rest of my career. This is my first time on HubSpot and on Salesforce as a CRM. Truly, what we think of as the CRM, um, you go have to go use a sales enablement platform, which is what tells you um, to do the right things in Salesforce. Because Salesforce is this amazing record keeper, much more like our agency management systems than it is the actual, I came in and I have things I need to do today. What are the most pressing? Um, And that gets back into like what HubSpot does well. HubSpot falls in the middle very well. And I would say we're more like a lightweight HubSpot. You know, I don't have custom forms. I can't throw up landing pages. Um, Well, I'm glad you said that because that's what I was thinking and I didn't want it to come across the wrong way because I don't think that you're you're a lightweight solution at all. But Again, going back to look at who the constituency is that would typically be moving. In many cases, their first CRM sure. is HubSpot really where, where they want to end up? And the answer is well, absolutely yeah. not. I'll use a mutual friend too that I don't think he minds, Chris Cardizo being a phenomenal example of someone who had HubSpot and is one of the best marketers, like through and through, multi channel, balancing all these agencies, 
um, in our whole industry. Like he's just an absolute expert in very, everything he does. And he's particular about almost everything he does. I don't know that many people that have brand guides. David, I'm sure you do, but a lot of teams don't. He's just that good at it. I will go ahead and concede Chris Paradiso is far more eccentric than I am. That's fair. <laughs> I'll take that too. He is. Um, I love him. Uh, but yeah, but a good friend, example. definitely a good friend of mine and somebody that I respect. So that is not a knock. It's just with Chris, Absolutely. it better it better fit the box, right? Yep. Yep. My so, box is just a little bigger. <laughs> Very true. Um, he's just a great example of someone that, by us partnering with then even fellow insurtechs, um, website vendors, everyone from like a Banyan Theory, Agency Relevance, a Forge 3, you know, like any number of them, we can take their custom landing pages and connect them directly into Agency Zoom. So when an agency is already particular and exceptional with their brand and they already have landing pages, instead of taking a HubSpot form and throwing it up on a single colored little dingy page, I can take my intake abilities, again, as a motivation platform and connect that more so into the beautiful branded standard that they have already in the market. Um, so that's where you know being insurance specific is my advantage. And being agnostic is HubSpot's advantage. You know, they get a, they go a little further up funnel than I do, and I have to partner up funnel to accomplish the same things. Um, but getting back to kind of the root of what you said there around service, it's it's again that concept of what's automation versus what's a campaign, and like what's automation meant to do. Automation is meant to make your team more consistent and thus more effective, and to give them more time in their day back to spending it with your customers. So to get into, I know after a claim that was filed with the carrier that I want my virtual assistant to follow up a couple times to schedule me a meeting, or I know I'd like to do XYZ five days after and check with them about their satisfaction. Those are things that instead of being concerned that somebody is not sending an automated text to check in, somebody is not sending an email to make sure that the case is closed. Um, our system does that. And then it gets those call tasks or very humanized tasks of an incredibly personalized email in front of a producer, a CSR, a virtual assistant, a particular business unit, depending again on how big a team is. Um, and I think that I think that's a huge portion of where we think of the difference again between like campaign management systems or CRMs being very flat and very wide versus ours being very precise around automation, focusing in on your team and your customers' relationships. And I mean, that is the CR of CRM, but it, it's just done in a different manner. Go ahead, Kyle. No, I was just going to kind of agree with the whole service thing being left out of the equation a lot. I think everybody is so focused on bringing in the accounts. And I mean, that's, you should, that's how you generate the revenue and, and push forward. But you know, in order to to grow effectively, you've got to have something set up on the service side. It can't just be running around and you know having a case by case situation going on because you can't grow and scale effectively like that. Um, and 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 I think a lot of people don't put enough emphasis on that. So that's that's a good point. No, I think the other place too that CRMs. Go ahead, Kat. You were going to say something, and I'm going to go a different direction. So I don't want to do that. 
I'm, I'm tempted to not say it because I was going to uh, proceed it with this may be an unpopular opinion. <laughs> um, no, go ahead. To also know what carriers are not truly making you the money you think they are. You know, we hear about using service centers for personal lines. We're encouraged to do so, but we don't really understand the ramification of losing two percentage points on our commission. And especially, you know, whether we like it or not, personal lines is more transactional. We don't understand the ramifications of that if we aren't tracking how much work goes into servicing, taking care of claims on a policy. Um, so for me, as we come into all these 60, 40 agencies and they ask me, what do I have to do to grow into commercial or to grow my personal lines faster? You have to know what it's going to cost you to attract a client and keep a client. And if we're spending $10 to save two, Three years into the relationship, that's not appropriate. You've still saved six dollars across your three years, and you've spent ten. It does not come out to make sense, mathematically speaking. And I think a lot of agency owners, and this isn't to their fault, but I think we sometimes forget that we're running a business. Like we do sell a product. It is weird to think of it that way, but it is at the end of the day a product, and we are, you know, capitalizing on relationships. But those are all things that can be monetized, justified, and there is a numeric value attached to them. Um, and I think we forget about that. And if we don't track service, we're not close to doing the whole picture to be able to run our agencies as a business. So, so my thing is, I think that there's a lot of stuff that agents, when you're talking about even just from the retention piece, and we talked about this when we were at Paradiso's mastermind up in, in Boston, not that long ago, back at, um, Actually, it has been a while ago now, beginning of April. Um, hard to believe it's been almost six months. Um, but around claims time and the automations that can happen there and having things go out to your client uh, in terms of immediate communication, but then staying in contact with them over the course of the claim and then ultimately soliciting them for an NPS on how you performed relative to that claim so that you can gauge what people think of you because that's really in my opinion everybody's going to put their best behavior on to get an account closed right but when the rubber meets the road is when that policy has to pay out because something happened and i mean that's what we sell is a promise to pay how do we execute that how well have we stayed in touch with our client and it really an important part of it and i know that the carriers aren't going to want to hear this but i'm going to say it anyhow separating your agency from the carrier and so that yeah. you can be the conduit without necessarily being grouped together because you know in many cases and i've got friends dealing with this right now you know down in in new orleans and everything when you get that level of claims that come through at one time it's tough enough as an agent but i mean that carrier is getting hammered too and you need to make sure that your client realizes that if they need you to you're there. You're a hundred percent there for them. You're going to push the envelope to try and get things done and they need that advocate. But what you don't want is for your client to think that if the carrier's stalling, that that somehow has something to do with your agency. So right. it's a delicate balance that you have to walk. Obviously we want to have good relationships with carriers as agents because that's how we, how we make our money, but we also need to have good relationships with our clients. And I think that using automation in the CRM in the right way in a claims time is huge. Well, I want to point out too, you mentioned something in there that I think you're the level of listener that you guys have acquired over the years would um, 
find value out of it is our industry has been talking about net promoter for a decade now. We've been pretty good about it because we heard our carriers promote it. And we said, oh, we should do that. Um, your net promoter should be different than your CSAT. Um, and that's where getting, again, further into um, service and really tracking around your claims, endorsements even, auto ID cards, um, just general service tasks, like every little thing starts to matter because to your point there, David, you probably have a CSAT and an MPS and yours is probably muddled together today. Your NPS should be, you know, if Kyle is walking down a street in Columbus and I say, what's your opinion on David Brothers? What's your opinion on killing commercial? It should be his opinion on a scale of one Garbage. Yeah, garbage, <laughs> garbage on all fronts. Uh, <laughs> it should be uninterrupted. It should be unappended by any interaction. And then your CSAT should be oriented around all of your people and all of your tasks all of your carriers so that so we can what, what's a csat it. for those who don't know yeah CSAT, raising your hand thank you kyle <laughs> um, a csat goes out right after your interaction so mps you want to go out as far away from anything logical as you could ever imagine like you want it to be that caught off guard moment csat should go out four or five days after an interaction so somebody has a claim and you know they filed it and you think it's all done um service work is done, they requested a proof of insurance, they requested an auto ID card, you name it, and you took care of that for them. And that should more reflect your person and that it particular process, the question is different. Like your MPS is what do you think about us? How likely are you actually to refer us? Got it. One to 10. You know who's using NPS effectively right now? The Atlanta airport in their bathrooms. Blew my mind when I came out of the bathroom in Atlanta and looked and there's an NPS like screen right there for how you would rate the condition of the bathrooms. It, it blew my mind. And I'm thinking there are agencies. So you out could there go, who, you could like click on, a, on, on yeah. eight out of 10 or whatever. Yeah. You could go up. It, it's the three, it's the red, yellow, green kind of deal. I think if I remember, I actually, okay. I actually took a picture of it with my phone. Cause I'm going to put a content out around that in the yeah. next week or so. But I'm thinking there's agencies out there that aren't even doing this in the, the, the flipping Atlanta airport is that worried about the bathroom, right? Yeah. Like when did an airport the ever question care is, about Did they have a cologne guy in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody wants to get on a plane with someone reeking of cologne. God help <laughs> that actually what you're pointing out there, David, the, I just went into the bathroom and I'm interacting and providing feedback about the bathroom. That is what I'm, you know, I'm, your guys' listeners are good enough to do this. Certainly that is CSAT. My, yeah. when I ask you, I say, God, I'm so sick and tired of flying. I hate it. It's a pain in the ass. I keep flying American into Charlotte. And when you speak up and say you should fly Delta into Atlanta, that's your NPS. So the concept of the overall airport, the quality of all of the different airlines that fly in and out, the food court is open again, that is NPS. And the fact that we would just communicate about it on a casual basis, like word of mouth is a little more attached to NPS. Performance in a particular discipline is CSAT. Like that bathroom survey is CSAT. And it's me coming out and being like, that was not satisfying. And whoever the janitor is that's in charge of this bathroom right now is not doing their job. 
or you need to improve the stalls because they're all broken because I've run my carry-on into them a thousand times, it's it's more identifiable. CSAT is very identifiable of I could make this improvement and turn it around really quickly. And I would advocate that more agencies should CSAT before they should MPS. You can make a change. You can respond clearly. I could improve a relationship with an adjuster from a carrier. I could coach a CSR on a CSAT. My MPS, the reason I hate the Charlotte airport could be the bathroom, could be the food court, food court. It could be long wait times. It could be them not having an outlet on the chair. It could be some snotty woman who like would not let me upgrade to first class. You know, there's too mm-hmm. many barriers there, and that's your MPS. And then so. my man Ron Schroyer comes in and says, "Hey, I've been listening to you talking about the bathrooms." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we have like an Argus Analytics, which is like. Why is Kat so offended, personally speaking, about bathrooms? Can't you just yeah. get on your flight? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no kidding. His his episode dropped this morning, so he's fresh oh, on my mind. Yeah. But I should have listened to that. I love that team. I, I think the interesting thing will be when you start to see agencies take a sales process, a retention process, a service process, and then you start to take those consumer behaviors and intertwine them all together, and you start to figure out like what really makes a customer stick. Um, I just saw Safeco present on this last week. Um, 80% of customers when they left were satisfied. And most of them are willing to come back in the 60 to 90 day window. Very few, like the honeymoon phase of whoever else they went to is over. And they are willing to come back in that 60 to 90 day window. If you miss that window, things aren't so pretty. You know, they get kind of sticky with that new person. But that's where that honeymoon phase is over. And I would say, you know, we have a full win back module in our product and we encourage our agencies to use it and to go after it. You know, there's the automation there for that. And very few of them are going for that window. We wait till their X state. Um, so yeah, to take something that's as cool as Arius Analytics, that Donna product, everything Ron's doing, and to say, you might not want to go after all of them in that 16 to 90 day window, but here are your most profitable ones that you didn't have to service a lot had a quick sales cycle and actually did like you. They had the consumer behaviors you'd like to come back around to have those four elements inform you of what customers are worth winning back, what customers are worth keeping on the book. Uh, I, I think that's going to be phenomenal and that's going to set. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. It's going to set the local hometown mid market agency apart from their competitors real quick. So my next question is with um, all of the stuff that you guys have already done to expand the product, obviously you can't tell us everything, but talk a little bit about what you see coming next. I mean, tease them a little bit. Yeah, um, I would encourage everybody to go look up Gong. Um, Grammarly, uh, there's a couple others out there, Crystal Nose, Owler. Those are all companies that have extremely phenomenal development in the sales and data intelligence environment. And when we look to a partnership with a Arius Analytics or a Donna, and we say, you know, you're incredibly valuable partners, what else can we present? What can we give you that helps you be more successful and tell us more about those consumers? Um, Other platforms that would um, enhance the data that, uh, Donna and Arius would have alongside the information we can tell from 
tonality um, in both voice recordings, you know, inflection as we speak, um, all those types of things, into um, even their uh, typing and their, you know, exchanged information. Uh, I think that's the route that we're going to go. Uh, it's my intention and, you know, as we work with agencies to keep going further and further into providing a automated experience that feels tailored to every single prospect and customer. And so that every employee begins to become more and more successful, what they're truly good at. Um, there's some fun stuff coming out around like gamification. That's, you know, pretty well through the pipeline. Um, you know, that, and that's fun to like put up good numbers and have those celebratory moments with the team. Um, but I think the thing that'll really continue to improve the industry is all of the little things that we can't put our finger on makes a good CSR or makes a good producer, um, beginning to actually track those and provide them out as suggestions for employees, suggestions to process for agency owners. Um, and then getting them right in front of the customers. So I think I think that's the that's the wave of the future, if you will, for the agencies and team. I can tell you that the number one thing I hear about agency Zoom is the celebration when a new sale is made, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, confetti. It's just everywhere. It's confetti. We have a mobile app, so like you know, we talk about how many of our agencies are commercial. And they're just, you know, walking around and they're operating agencies using off their phone. And it's completely built for Android, iPhone. You know, it's not just a web-based thing. It's, you know, built for So you get like a, like a text that says a deal was closed oh, and the confetti yeah, goes off. Like, Yeah, you'll get a text that says like, David's right. Like, David just sold this policy. And Kyle, you're 5% behind today. Or he just surpassed you on the leaderboard. And when he moves it to sold, if he's sitting down. And, then, lap, and then it blows a bunch of confetti in my face to just piss me off more. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's like the fun part right now. Um, I've twisted X's arm enough. I think now it's going to play your favorite song. So you're going to be able to give us the little YouTube link to like Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. So just random stupid bullshit. And it's gonna All I do is win, office. win, win, no matter yeah. what, what, what. <laughs> exactly that. So yeah, I would, I, I would throw my phone. Can I just ask a really quick question? Why does DJ Khaled like announce that this song is DJ Khaled? In the branding of every song, he's always because everybody screaming. knows. I, yeah, yeah, I think everybody knows his voice. I'd like to believe he could say, "This is DJ," and you're just like, "I, I know that's who it his, is." Man. That's his thing, it. man. That's his. That's his shtick. I just, Super I annoying. Have, it is. I have too weird of taste in music to have any feedback on what is a good or bad brand in music, so I have to I have to stay out of that. <laughs> Well, you've already said Birkenstock, so you're leading me down a road where I can kind of pigeonhole you a little bit. I've got to believe you've probably listened to a little rusted root in your day. No. What is that? Ooh. What I know I'm not familiar. Not- I'm not familiar either. Why? Well, now you need, Kat, now you need to go listen to Rusted Root and tell me how accurate I am. They played my 21st birthday party, though, and they were a pretty big deal back then. I'm interested. I'm very interested. That sounds about up my alley. Uh, my husband gets so, so upset when he gets into his car and I, his truck and I borrowed it. He gets so upset as to what's on the radio because he's a DJ Cali person, likes like recent pop music, EDM, all of that. And I am listening to like weird folk from like 1952. And he's like, where did this come from? So, How many yeah. times have you listened to uh, Certified Lover Boy, Dave? 
absolutely no clue what that even the, is. The new, the new, the new Drake album. Nah. <laughs> absolutely. My kids, my kids probably all have it because <laughs> it's about fifty-three times for me. That sounds about right. That's wow. right. Kyle, well, Kat, not- what have what have we missed? Like, as we're going through this, what have we missed about Agency Zoom that you want everybody to know before I let you go? Um, you know, this is like a selfish plug, but I'm so proud of it, and I love it. it. We built a internship cohort that spans the whole state of Ohio. We went to all of our customers in Ohio and emailed them and said, "Do you have a college age student, or would you like to tell your customers that you have an internship for college age students?" Um, to turn what is a less than fun industry, like insure tech and insurance doesn't seem that fun probably to college students. But we built a cohort of nine students that are all over Ohio. They come in once a week and they are doing the coolest stuff. And I say that one, because I'm like super proud of them and I love them already. And they probably are listening to the Drake album with you, Kyle. Um, But also because it's a mentality around how we operate as a business that we're going to solve a problem no matter what. So we face, we procrastinated recruiting our support team a little bit, thinking we'd be back to the office sooner than we were. So we got to, you know, a three minute wait time on a chat and I just didn't love that. So it came time to recruit and it was so hard to recruit the talent that I wanted to be talking to agents every day. You know, that's, Speaking to you guys all day, every day, that's part of our product. So it became really, well, and I'm overly picky and a psycho about recruiting, but it became difficult. Um, So I said, I'm never going to have this problem again. You know, it took me from April 20th to the middle of July, a solid three months to recruit five people that I really loved and was excited to have join our organization. Um, I said, I was never going to have that problem again. So that problem solving mentality and like it coming through. I got to make a really cool cohort. Um, so having great resources and having great agency partners but at our back, you know, they had like stepped up to the plate and even video chatted in with the cohort. And of course, you know, they love that. The, you know, cohort interns love it. Um, but just this mentality that there's not only one way to solve a problem. And then that's been, like I said, embodied in our recruiting and with that team it has been really, really fun. I think that's pretty cool, though. I mean, using interns Mm -hmm. is a great way to get a completely different perspective in a very stale industry, and we're batting about 500 here. (laughs) (laughs) That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, We had had one that was really, really good, and then we have another one that just wasn't into it, but apparently loves the insurance industry because ended up at a competing agency. So it's the best. We have nine, and they get their first 360 review this week. So they're they're having a rotational experience that they do a month with sales, and then a month with marketing, and then a month with our customer teams. Um, and they're getting their first 360 this week. Um, so it'll be really interesting cool. to see uh, as these uh, nerfy little kids um, how they take their first level of like executive feedback. Um, that said, if we invite them to a second semester with the cohort. We're giving them full-time employment. So that's how I created this little band of, you know, excited, well-informed, now, you know, super tailored um, recruiting pool to solve that problem uh, that we originally had. That's a great way to do it. Yep. And and it's, like I said, it's really, really scalable. They're coming in um, 10 hours a week 
each of them. So obviously having nine of them, it's a big price tag, but I think an agency could reasonably do it pretty fast. Your point, David, learn a lot, you know, just see things through a different lens and catch on to things they might like and things they might not um, for $150 a month, you know, a week. So it's, it's pretty fun. Um, and I've enjoyed it and I'm hoping it solves some long-term problems for us, but yeah, that there's a no real problems mentality here. Uh, we're going to figure it out and solve it is, uh, I guess it's a good way to <laughs> put a selfish plug in for agency zoom that we might be a little bit weird, but we really, we really like tackling the big problems and, you know, getting into the intricacies and figuring stuff out. So here's the million dollar question. Where do they go to get a demo and hear more? I mean, been pretty no. transparent on pricing, so that shouldn't be a roadblock at this point. Yeah, I, if, if you can't get your money back on agency Zoom, like call me and I'll pay for it for you because you're just doing something <laughs> wrong and we should spend time together. It's not difficult. Um, agency Zoom. Hey, Kat, here, here's what they have to do. They have to take the budget away from sending out calendars at Christmas time <laughs> and move it into having a CRM. I mean, that's what it is. It's, yeah. If you are still sending out a calendar at Christmas and you are interested in using agency zoom and you hear this, come to me, you know, sign up for agency zoom, come to me and I will build you an electronic calendar that will go out to all of your customers at Christmas it will look beautiful if anyone has used ePage Flip. It's really, really cool. It's very interactive. They can have a calendar with all of your photos on it. And we'll send them a text on Christmas Day from the selling producer saying, Hey, Merry Christmas. I hope, David, you and Kyle have a wonderful day with your family. I will one-up you on your, if you are still sending out a calendar, God help you. I'm happy to help you. Um, I'll I feel like a Florida Risk Partners David Carruthers featured calendar would be fantastic. Just, oh, be just, just you, just, just you dressed up in different seasonal gear for each yes. month. Oh, yeah. I'm just imagining you know, if you guys have ever seen those like dancing elves or something that was like back in like yes. early 2000s. There you go. You, you know? could be Santa and I'll be an elf. Jib jab. Yeah. Jib yeah, jib jab was the site. Yeah. Yeah. We just need a dancing elves jib jab. <laughs> That'd be wow. awesome. Done. Yeah, I mean, go to agencyzoom.com. It's agencyzoom, all one word, dot com. Um, so go check it out. The pricing is right there. The product is right there. So if you're part of a network, a cluster, an aggregator, we may have a discount that's already associated um, to your group. Uh, you can see some of the people that are part of our agency advisory council. Really cool process there. You guys, we nominated the first 15. And now our agencies nominate everybody for that. And the people that are already on it vote and stack up those nominations and the top five get on and Kat has nothing to do with it. So it's eliminated the confirmation bias of how our product grows um, from me only talking to the David, the Kyles and the other savants of the industry. Um, so it's helped democratize that product growth process, but you can check those people out. You can see a demo on there for your agency management system. We integrate with most of the major players out there. Um, so you can see that there and, you know, just explore at your own risk. Who knows what you're going to end up falling into. It's, it's a rabbit hole of a website, but that's kind of why it's fun. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, um, really appreciate you coming on today. It's been cool chatting with you, like hearing what you guys are doing. And I know that you're making a difference in the agencies that you're in. And for those agencies that you're not in, you should be making a difference, but. I think you still have. 
I we yep. had uh, 20 agencies at this last conference that we didn't work with, and we built them all custom recruiting profiles because that's what I had spoke on that morning, recruiting and growing sales teams. And I said, even if you're not with us, you know, happy to put the effort in to make the industry better. So I hope so. That would be good. I think I'm going to title this episode, Push Past the Calendar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, don't know. I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. should be calendar related. <laughs> It should yeah, be absolutely. bringing back to Deb. Bringing back to Deb. <laughs> <laughs> Calendars, confetti. I don't know. I have to come up with three seasons. And certified lover boy. There you go. That's it. That's done. done. I got to write that down so I don't forget it. Anyhow, Kat, I'm going to let you go because we've been a little bit over time. I really appreciate you blocking out the time, especially after a late flight. Thank you for setting us straight on the difference between NPS and CSAT. CSAT. Yeah. Took notes. <laughs> not the centimeter, though. It's not Schroyer's not centimeter. No, that's, that's the holy grail. That's what you want. You want to use all three of them. That's going to be the best of the best. There you go. Listen, hope you have a great day. Hope everybody reaches out that uh, that is in need. And uh, certainly we'll catch up with you at Innovation, if not sooner. That sounds wonderful. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.